Hey everybody, you're tuning in to Mad About It. I'm your host, Becky, Becky with the good hair. That's right, it's me. Uh, so today's episode is going to be about Netflix's new Queer Eye. You guys seen it? Ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody knows about it. It's like it's like the thing that's like got all these different New York Times articles about it and shit like that. So, um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely the thing that a lot of people are talking about. I think it's got some good things. I think it's got some bad things. I'd love to get into all of it. But you gotta stay with me. Uh, we're definitely gonna probably, you know, ruffle some feathers at some point during this chat. Uh, you know, if you're like a huge fan of Queer Eye and you're like going through some sort of like tender, sensitive part of your life and, and any sort of tainting of that vision is gonna upset you severely then you know maybe just tune in for the next one but i don't know you should stick around i think because i have a lot of good things to say too but um i'm just gonna be honest a lot of the reception that i see on queer eye is so so overwhelmingly positive that it's like it's like sickly sweet to read a review of the show it like makes me want to barf also the show itself kind of makes me want to barf sometimes but we'll get into that um so it's it's definitely it's definitely being very well received i don't think that anybody is criticizing it because i think we're also desperate to see gay people be happy and confident that nobody really gives a fuck so i agree i agree with that sentiment 100%. I am so happy to see everybody so happy and confident. I don't really care either, but um, I think that there's a lot of issues hiding in the show that would do me some good at least to acknowledge and get out and, uh, you know, maybe to address so that we could maybe do a little better. Um, So stick around. I think it's going to be a good one. I think so. Actually, I'm like really, I'm really confident about it because um, there's a lot to talk about with Career Eye. All right, stay tuned. So, the old show, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, uh, was not nearly as popular as this show, the new show, the new Netflix show is. Maybe that's because of cable network stuff. Maybe that's because Netflix in general is just like taking TV streaming popularity to like crazy heights. Uh, but whatever. Mostly, let's just let's be real. You know, this new Queer Eye has a bigger audience and is more successful than the old Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I think they have the same title song, uh, with different versions. You know, it's like an updated version of the old title song. The old Queer Eye, the old Queer Eye is, it's just got a totally different vibe than the new Queer Eye. Obviously the new Queer Eye has uh, self-empowerment and uh, self-help and uh, a positive energy to it that the old Queer Eye I think does not really have. I've been watching, uh, I've been watching a lot of the old Queer Eye as preparation for this cast, you know, as a little bit of research and, um, Man, I remember it from when I was a, a, growing up, but I wasn't really old enough for the original Queer Eye for the Straight guy to be 
really relevant to me or like understandable. And now that I've rewatched it, I understand that it like never was ever gonna be. It's not really relevant or relatable to somebody that isn't uh, like a super butch guy or a super queeny gay. I, you know, I, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but I, I really thought that the vibe of the old Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was, was, was kind of a mean gay, very Carson Kressley heavy, petty, uh, catty sort of negative gay. It was definitely not the post-gay marriage, post-Obama era, empowered, uh, high-budget gay that we get from the new Netflix show. Um, the old Queer Eye for the Straight Guy was obviously just about straight guys. I I kind of, I don't know how to, I, there's no word for this, I don't know. Um, maybe like misandry, but it's uh, it's almost like butch shamey. Like they, they kind of like shame these butch guys for being like gross manly men. They like, you know, they like, they like scream about how ugly their clothes are and they like, uh, there's like, I mean, in the first episode you could watch, there's like, they don't do this as much in the later episodes. Maybe it's just that this guy was gross, but the later episodes don't do it as much. But the first episode, they literally, there's just like five to ten seconds of them screaming, uh, oh, it's so ugly, oh, it's so ugly, oh, it's so ugly. And like, in the current Queer Eye, I don't think they, they would ever dedicate, like, that much time and that much energy to screaming about how ugly their stuff is. Like, they seem to be much more concerned about the, like, total package makeover in the new one. And the old Queer Eye, to me, it did not seem like a total package makeover at all. Uh, so, you know, anybody that's seen the old Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, I kind of, these are, these are my generalizations that I took from watching the first season. Um, it is positive. It is transformative. They do do some cool stuff. Haha, <laughs> do do. But they're also super butch shamey, which I know I should probably just enjoy, but I, I weirdly don't. Um, it's kind of negative. It's very Carson Kressley heavy. I think that might be because Carson Kressley is just kind of a superstar, but I also think it's because he had the meanest, funniest things to say all the time. So I'm not really sure if that makes you a superstar but I think a lot of people disagree. Um, it's not as empowering. And most importantly, the number one thing, the number one thing that I noticed between the new show and the old show is that the, the fixes are unsustainable in Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. In the old show, they're unsustainable fixes. They give the guys stuff like uh, highlighter tips in their hair and like spray tans that are actually only designed to last three to five days so that when they're done with the makeover they can go back to being like non-gayed i guess um yeah gayed um so i i think i think you know uh it's definitely it's just a less it's just a so much it's a much less out queer eye it's a much less confident queer eye it's a much less uh it's a much less forward queer eye uh, I did. Do you all do you all agree? And I, I didn't like the old show very much to begin with. 
because it was kind of negative, and it made gays seem catty and petty and mean. Um, also, I'm sorry, a spray tan does not a makeover make. Like, that's, I'm sorry, a spray tan should not be, should not ever be part of a makeover. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm just, you know, spray tan phobic, but I think I am. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with this part of myself. Um, alright. So, it's also kind of just like queer hoarders. Like, it's got a real queer hoarders vibe. It's very shamey. You know, so, the new show, not nearly as shamey. They, obviously, there is a little bit of shaminess going on. But the new show is not nearly as shamey. It's also not based in New York City. Uh... All the episodes are based in Georgia. Every single every single makeover in the first season is, is based in Georgia. And uh, uh, every single episode in the second season is based in Georgia. They're trying to make season three in Kansas City. Uh, one of the, the creator, producer, uh, creator, well, the creator of the show, David Collins, is originally from the Cincinnati area, Hala, which is super close to Louisville. Um, and they, it's just a totally different vibe. They call all their makeovers, like, oh, they call the recipients of the makeovers heroes. It's definitely not the vibe of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. They did not call any of those straight guys heroes. They called them, you know, like, butch monsters. So, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, it's undeniably a different vibe from the last season. I love... I love that it's based in Georgia. I love that it's based in in, in a part of the America that needs a little bit more gay love than other parts of America. I, everywhere needs it nowadays, though. There's no bad place for it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's heartwarming to see a place like Georgia uh, welcome these people so well. They, you know, everything about the episodes is the same compared to the old show. The flow is exactly the same. The way that they designed the episodes calling it the 5-5 five five is the same driving a truck everywhere is the same and the, the structure and the flow and the format of the episodes is the same so the only thing that's really changed is the budget the network host and the cast and the location so we, we've already agreed you know the location is superior super interesting and they're choosing really interesting diverse people that they refer to as heroes which is awesome uh and i like a lot of the people that they they choose for makeovers they all seem somewhat very deserving and if they don't seem deserving to me then i at least like is a f interesting episode i just one of the guys that they did i didn't think really deserved a makeover but anyway we'll get to it um okay so the, uh, the cast is the thing that really makes a big difference with this one. And the cast is the thing that I have the most opinions about. The cast, the cast is the most, uh, is the most, uh, controversial part of the, the show. So, first, let's talk about Bobby Burke. Bobby Burke is the design expert. Uh, we're gonna get straight into what Bobby's doing right after this so Bobby Burke is the design expert of the season um, he's 
he was born in Texas, uh, in what his Wikipedia page refers to as Amish country in Texas. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that. But um, he grew up in Missouri. Uh, he experienced internal and external homophobia when he was growing up. Uh, he he talks about it a bit on the show. I feel like Bobby is the fame is mostly famous for the the church episode with Tammy in season two, where he like stands outside the church and won't go in the church. Um, I totally I totally relate to Bobby in that way. My church growing up was so mean to me. So, um, I totally relate to Bobby. Uh, I can understand why some people would think that Bobby's choices were not the best, but, like, I totally sympathize with Bobby in this way. Um, Bobby, like, he, like, (laughs) he, like, worked in a hardware store and worked in Bed Bath & Beyond until he started, like, uh, designing his own furniture. So he worked his way up from nothing and you know is kind of a really talented carpenter and designer and the makeovers in the show i think anybody would have to say the makeovers in the show are certainly at least ordered well if bobby doesn't do them himself they're obviously planned out really really well so um i don't know exactly the deets on all this i feel like bobby does it himself um because it has a consistent style episode to episode. Like, all the makeovers to me are stylistically similar. So if it isn't Bobby himself doing it, it's somebody else. But he's the design expert on the show. I'm certainly hoping that he's not just a face. I really, I'm like kind of, like, to me, the overwhelming thing about the new show is how good the interior design makeovers are. I kind of feel like he transforms the spaces into some really crazy stuff really really quickly and it makes it's just such a huge boost in people's lives like that's such a lasting it's such a lasting transformation and they do the same thing in the old show but it's just so much better this season and i think it's probably got to do with that budget no way it doesn't but uh i also think bobby's probably just uh just uh a little better Sorry about it. Um, But it's also probably the budget. We've seen Bobby seem to go to work. And we've also seen Bobby, like, sit while other people do the work. And hang out with other people for cameos and photo shoots and shit while other people do the work. Seems like almost everybody does that. It seems like, uh... Seems like every person in the cast is is mostly the face for what they, they tell other people to do. Uh especially um especially Anthony who mostly has other people cook the stuff but anyway we'll get to Anthony we'll get to Anthony on our own time for sure there's plenty of time for him um okay Bobby yeah I think he pissed a lot of people off with the whole not going in the church thing I think some people thought he's been a drama queen like I get it, but like also you totally if you don't if you have no sympathy for why Bobby wouldn't go in the church, then you probably just haven't experienced a really bad thing with your church. You know. The same way, like, I don't know, um not to simplify it to this ridiculously petty thing, but uh my girlfriend won't go to Indian food. Cause she had re- one real bad experience with Indian food, like I I shit you not, like six years ago, 
It's like it's been like six years. I I really want some Indian food. I could just probably go get it myself. But it seems weird to be eating completely different food than the person that you're with. I, I just am I'm really, really big on like eating the same food as the people around me. I know that's really weird. But um, I think it's because my family, we grew up eating dinner together 24-7. Like we always ate all the same stuff. So to me, it's like we always have to be eating all the same stuff. But anyway, um, she won't eat Indian food because she, she got sick like six years ago. Uh, that bothers me, but, you know, am I going to force feed her Indian food and watch her barf? Of course not. You know, am I going to force Bobby into that church and watch him break down? I don't want to. There's other things we could talk about on the show, so let's talk about those. Sounds good, right, Bobby? High five. Yeah. Don't, 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 don't get on Bobby's back about going to the church. Just leave it alone. Drama's going to trauma. It is what it is. Mind your own business. All right. So, next up, Tan France. Tan France. France Tan. Tan to France, France Tan. So, Tan France. Uh, you know, he's married. Uh, he lives in Salt Lake City with his hubby. Uh, when he growing up he grew up in the UK he grew up in England he was raised by his Pakistani family in England uh, he went to college in the UK he started working for Zara Z-A-R-A Zara is that what it is Zara I'm not into fashion I apologize I don't know what that sounds like I'm gonna say Zara he worked his way up to eventually owning his own clothing company that was called Kingdom and State, which, sorry, Tan, I think that's just about the dumbest name I've ever heard in my life. Kingdom and State is fucking ridiculous. But anyway, um, he's an openly gay Muslim living in Salt Lake City. I think that deserves a round of applause. Like, for real. Um, yeah, have you ever been to Utah? Utah's beautiful, but Utah, like, holy crap. You don't see a lot of tan Francis in Utah, people. You don't see anybody except for, like, we're talking about a type of white person, a type of white person that doesn't even drink coffee. Coffee's too spicy. Coffee's too spicy. So, um, yeah, Utah has got, got a rare breed of white people. They, that's where Mitt Romney's, you know, that's where his, his, his fan base is. That's the land of people that like Mitt Romney. So, um, Tan's pretty much the anti-Mitt Romney. Um, I gave Tan a lot of shit about what he said about trans people in my transphobia episode. Go ahead and tune into that if you missed it. Uh, the, yeah, Tan, Tan, uh, he, he deserves, he deserves a little bit of shit for sure. But overall, he's pleasant. Uh, he's the fashion expert. I like him so much more than Carson Kressley that I don't really care about much else. Like, the thing is, is that if it weren't for the fact that Carson Kressley, like, soured the original Queer Eye for the Straight Guy for me so much, it would be that that maybe, maybe I thought less of Tan, but I really like Tan because Carson really set the bar really low as far as empathetic fashion, empathetic fashion guy. So, I really like the fact that Tan 
really individualizes the fashion for everybody much more so than Carson did and I know that I know that Carson did individualize the fashion it's undeniable that in every episode he gave somebody their own you know his spin on their own approach but his spin on their own approach to me was is not as accurate as Tan's spin on people's approach I really think that Tan does a pretty good job of buying people full wardrobes of quality clothing that they might actually wear that actually fits them um, so I don't like Tan's personal fashion style very much. I don't really understand it. He kind of looks like Willy Wonka all the time to me. It's, a, it's I, th- I think it's the hats, but it's also, it's other things too. It's not just the hats. Uh, there's a lot of Willy Wonka cues with him and his, in his personal fashion. Um, but I like what he does with everybody else's looks. Um, I especially liked the chef that he did. Uh, I thought what he did with his clothing was so good. That guy looked so good at the end of that. But anyway, um, so yeah, I like Tan. I wish that he had met a trans person before being gay famous. I feel like you should be uh, a lot less transphobic. It's really harsh to call him transphobic. He's not transphobic, but he is a little bit transphobic. And, uh, you know, I also think that, uh, I also think that, uh, uh, there's bigger fish to fry, but I don't know about that right now. There's like so many trans people being murdered and harassed. I'm not really sure if there are bigger fish to fry. We've had, you know, I mean, we've had big problems with, with gay people not giving a damn about trans people since forever. Uh, trans people have never been fully accepted in the gay community. So we really got to do everything we can to, 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 to kick people in the pants about this, in my opinion. So I'm kicking you in the pants about this, Tan. I think you're ridiculous. Uh, but also, uh, please get more practical footwear. Also, sorry, I missed this in the Bobby bit. Bobby, Bobby, your seating is just not functional sometimes. Some of the seating is really bad. Okay, so so Tan, the shoes are bad sometimes. Bobby, the seating is bad sometimes. There's some basic comfort stuff. Do gay men just like being really uncomfortable all the time? I don't think so. Not the ones I know. Uh, but damn, you all sure seem like it. Real sure seems like you guys don't like being comfortable with the shit that you're putting on your feet and fucking types of chairs you buy for dinner parties looks like everybody's gonna have like lower back surgery by the end of the night anyway okay so next up on the list there's karamo brown he's the culture expert um let's get right into it so karamo brown uh let me start by saying i have a ton of love and respect for everybody on this show as people that are, you know, human beings. Uh, I kind of feel like the Queer Eye show doesn't do a great job of showing Karamo Brown as a, as a human being. I feel like Karamo Brown is, is really a shamelessly token black guy. Like, they, sh- they call him culture expert. I wish that they would just come out just and say it, token black guy. He's token black guy, and he's there as life coach. Uh, he's a life coach for Token Black Eye. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Should he still... Be, he has got... You know, he should be there. I'm not saying he shouldn't be there at all. I'm saying he should be there. I'm saying he should have... There shouldn't be just one black person on the cast. I don't think that the that, that black gays are such a minority that we only need one of them. Uh, 
anyway i you know there's there's just you know i one 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 black guy wow there are one two three uh white guys you know what i mean anyway anyway so my beef with karamo brown being the token black guy is obviously not that he shouldn't be there is that he needs company he shouldn't be a token uh, he's a very cute token and that's the other problem i have with it i kind of feel like he's mostly just a super cute token which weirdly makes it worse like i it's like if you're gonna have a token black guy can't it be some sort of just like desperately ugly you know heart of gold black person i don't know you know or something i mean i don't want to you know i i, I it's a, it's a slippery slope, but I just don't think that uh, there should be one black person in their mandatory supermodel status. Uh, Karama Brown got his got his boost on the MTV reality show The Real World Philadelphia. To me, that's not a super impressive resume, but uh, you know, maybe I'm just a bitch. I don't know, but I I don't I just feel like the real world is something that this that I would not I would like if if I was like. If I, I don't know if I was if I was single and I was browsing dating apps and I bounced upon somebody who was like you know if, if I bounced along somebody who had a history of being on a real world show any of them I would I would pass what do you swipe swipe left is left no left or right uh, I would swipe no so yeah I just I don't know uh, Fun fact about him, though, uh, he uses his fame for some really good stuff. He's a, a super dope activist. Um, for somebody who has the resume that he does of just being on the real world, he's used his stat- he's used his fame pretty much exclusively to promote uh, uh, black activist uh, goals. So if you look up his uh, if you look up his activism history, it's pretty it's pretty good. Doesn't seem like all stuff he's got paid to do. It seems like stuff he tried to organize. So um, I think that uh, it's a very different situation from somebody like Ches Bono. Uh, and he also he graduated from the Marjorie Stoneman Dun- Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He graduated from the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. He graduated from, you know, Parkland, Florida. And when the Parkland shooting happened, he talked about it and talked about pro-gun or pro, you know, anti-gun legislation, uh, pro-gun laws. So like, uh, being in favor of gun anti-gun legislation. I'm saying this in the most confusing way possible, but you know, who wasn't though? Like seriously. In the meantime, we still don't have any effective gun legislation. But anyway, so he advocates for gun safety. It's really great. Um, he's the token black guy in the show. That's all it is. Sorry about it. Sorry, not sorry. Um, he does motivational stuff. He talks to people one-on-one about their life goals. I think he might have one of the more important uh, roles, to be honest. It certainly seems like a lot of the stuff that uh, happens in the... So now we got to talk about Anthony Borowski, uh, the food and wine expert, uh, or as I like to refer to him as the, the debauchery expert. Um, 
So, I think that Anthony may be the only cast member that is not better than the old version of the show. I actually really like Ted Allen in the old show. I think that, uh, I think that, uh, I think that Ted Allen is really good. I think that he's the best, the, ca- the best cast member in the old Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. I also think that uh, Anthony Paraski is um, a young Twinkie piece of shit. Sorry, I don't think he can cook at all. I think he, I think he, based on Wikipedia, has a degree in psychology, and I think he's a bad actor. And I think uh, that's how he got the gig. That's actually not how I think he got the gig. I'll get into how I think he got the gig later, but I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't think Anthony, I don't think Anthony can can cook. Um, mostly because he hasn't shown me how to do anything I don't know how to do other than ruin guacamole. That's the only thing he's shown me how to do that I didn't know how to do before. Um, for the record, everybody listening, you don't need sour cream or Greek yogurt in guacamole. You don't need either of those things whatsoever in guacamole. You can, in fact, just fucking leave it to avocados. Just don't, don't put any of that. Don't put any of that in there. I don't know why anybody's substituting Greek yogurt for sour cream and guacamole. Who's feeding this guy guacamole? Where is he getting guacamole from? What's he think this is? I'm sorry, you don't need to substitute Greek yogurt for sour cream. What is fucking cross sour cream? Guacamole doesn't have sour cream in it. Um, it's just avocados. I like to put onions and cilantro in mine and some jalapeno. My girlfriend likes it with garlic. I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, I know that's controversial. I kind of like a garlic-free guacamole. I like it to be more like an avocado salsa. But that's my own opinion. That would be a, a groundbreaking guacamole recipe. Not fucking substituting Greek yogurt for sour cream. I'm going to try to talk softer now instead of screaming. Because I understand that I can't do anything about it. It's already been recorded. It's already been filmed. It's already been done. There's already some sort of bullshit. I'm, there's, there's already some sort of bullshit recipe substituting Greek yogurt for sour cream and out in guacamole out there in the world it already exists I can't do anything you can't make it not exist but I can do this one thing and that's please please stop it please stop it with the weird fucky guacamoles just leave it alone it's already perfect stop it please 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 stop it Okay. All right. Hold on. I gotta. I gotta. All right. So, Anthony Porowski. Anthony Porowski, uh, he's a trained actor. He had a bunch of small gigs in uh, small movies that nobody's ever heard of. And he thought that he was getting typecast as a Polish person. 
I've never heard of that in my life. He thought that he was getting, he thought that his, uh, he thought that his last name was, uh, too Polish for people. He was going to Anglicanize his last name even more than, even more than he already, I mean, I just, I just, I have a hard time believing he was discriminated against for having the last name Perowski. Um, but that's what he believes. So instead, I guess he started being a, he started working as a waiter, but he worked his way up through the restaurant industry pretty fast, mostly because, I mean, if anybody that's worked any type of food service, I've only ever worked like retail food service hybrid. It's a long story, but, um, guys get like a huge amount of preference in food service work. Like if you're a dude who does a mediocre job, you're like instantly promoted to everything. But, um, so he worked his way up real fast through the restaurant industry, mostly because I think his family owned restaurants in New York. And, uh, he became a personal chef for Ted Allen. Yeah. Yeah, remember Ted Allen? Ted Allen is the Ted Allen is the f- old food and wine guy for Queer Eye, for the straight guy. He did Queer Eye for the straight guy. He was the food and wine guy for that. So, Anthony Paraski's been, you know, he used to be Ted Allen's personal chef. Let me let me ask you this: Why does a chef need a personal chef? Why does a why does a retired celebrity chef need a personal chef? Do they all have those? Am I just like am I being super dense? Am I I'm probably being so dense. I mean, I bet there's already been like 15,000 moments where you're all like, "Oh my god, she's being so dense." But I don't care. I think I think I'm going to go ahead and call some bullshit on this. Um I don't think Ted Allen needs a personal chef. Uh, and I think that if he did need a personal chef, I don't think he'd pick Anthony. I think that Anthony has other qualities that Ted Allen might be interested in. I think it's fair to say that Ted Anthony is a talented, well-rounded sort of individual. So, you know, he's a, he's a handsome Polish boy. Maybe Ted Allen has a, a Polish fetish. Maybe he's obsessed with Poles. I think that's pretty pretty weird to put so much emphasis on being Polish. Am I, am I wrong? In America, I, I didn't get the sense that anybody gave a crap about whether or not you're Polish. Um, I understand that Poland is, like, constantly being invaded, and, like, in Europe, Polish people are, like, you know, it's a different sort of thing, but I, I don't really understand it at all, so I'm already up shit's creek about this right now. All I'm gonna say is that I don't feel like Polish people are discriminated against in America. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, but Anthony Porowski does, and he also thinks that uh, that uh, it's just mere coincidence that he was a personal chef for Ted Allen and he got a gig on Queer Eye. I think Ted Allen. Uh, this here's the deal. Here's the deal, people mad about it uh but also this is the deal if i was ted allen if i was a retired celebrity chef tv personality living in new york just chilling not giving a damn about nothing and i had all the time and money in the world just chilling i wanted a personal chef somebody was gonna cook food for me every day um a role like that is something that is just like 
it's just inherently sexual I, I you know when somebody makes food for you it's like intimate you know even if it's not sexual it's intimate you know that's why family gatherings are the way that they are i think you know uh, it's just an intimate sort of thing uh to, to everybody eat the same food i have a thing about eating the same food so when somebody prepares food for me it's like a spiritual sort of thing so you know if i had all the time money and status in the world and i was just kind of chilling and uh maybe i was married or wasn't married or whatever you know i feel like ted allen doesn't have to worry too much about who he's hitting on i would totally just like kind of shop for my personal chef to be whoever i wanted to fuck like duh wouldn't wouldn't you of course make your personal chef somebody that you wanted to fuck like who would pass up on that opportunity? Like some people want sports cars. Other people want sexy personal chefs. I would rather have a sexy personal chef than a sports car any day of the week. So um, I don't think Andy Dabrowski is sexy at all, but I don't, I'm just straight up not into Polish guys. <laughs> I'm just not, I'm just not into Polish guys at all. <laughs> I have a huge bias against Polish guys. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's 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 the biggest read I have today. That's the worst it's gonna get. That's the Venus that I had planned. I don't, I don't really. I just I just don't get it. I don't get it with the Antony shit. I don't think he cooks. I don't think he knows how to cook. I think he's a bad actor, Twinkie. You know opportunist sorry about it happy for him um all i'm gonna say is that he just kind of seems like a super privileged super privileged guy that just knew all the right people it's a super privileged kid just unbelievably privileged so uh that's all i had to say i i just don't i don't know why his perspective is the one that we're listening to you know, I don't know why, I don't know why for the food and wine queer it had to be that guy. I just don't think he has any perspective, especially based on his resume, I don't think he has any perspective. Um, I don't think he contributes damn near anything to the makeovers. I don't think he contributes anything at all to the makeovers. I think he's... Uh, I think he's, I think he's fucking useless. I also think, um, it just makes me, he's definitely like very like kind of fat phobic. Like a lot of the way that he talks to people and the way that he talks about food is like really, um, not necessarily health conscious, but health shamey, you know? Um, I just don't think that, I don't think that like everybody should be running out and swapping Greek yogurt for everything. I don't necessarily think that's really healthier than a balanced diet of, 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 of healthy foods. It's not really just about like superfoods, y'all. It's about a balanced, healthy diet. So um, it doesn't really matter what articles you read that morning. If, you, if you're not having a balanced diet, then you're not having a balanced diet. So this is what it is. And uh, I think a, a lot of his suggestions in the makeovers have been total flops. Go back to the chef episode season two i forget exactly which one it is um 
the guy he Anthony gives him a pasta maker and the pasta maker like doesn't fucking work and it's also like the complete opposite of the point of learning to make pasta like they go through this big whole thing where they learn how to make pasta and then they're like, JK, here's a pasta maker that doesn't fucking work that completely removes the joy and the intimacy of pasta making and replaces it with a cheap gimmick that looks tacky, takes up counter space so that you can't make pasta anymore fucking anyway because there's no room on your counter. And it tastes like shit. Okay, and then they get mad at them for not using it. They should be mad at themselves for doing a shit, shit-ass suggestion. I think the real root of my pain here is that I don't understand why they didn't find just like some sort of like fat drag queen to be the food and wine expert. I have one in mind. I have a kimchi in mind. I feel like kimchi would be the most spectacular food and wine uh, host that they could ever have. Certainly for episodes like Tammy, you know. Why are they shitting on Tammy for using too much mayonnaise? I get it, but, like, Tammy's not going to change. Like, leave it to Tammy to change herself. You know, anyway. Uh, I just don't... I don't like anything Anthony does. I don't like anything about it because I can sit here and imagine a far superior version with uh, somebody like Kimchi who, who does have a health focus on their food. I'm not... I don't have any issue with the health focus... What I have an issue with is the health bullshit focus. I have a I have an issue with the with the fad diet focus, with the lens of this privileged. I mean, do you remember do you remember when Anthony Anthony suggested to the to the trans guy episode? He suggested to have little like sushi little little sushi uh, maki bowl or uh, sushi bowls. The little sushi bowls. He suggested to have sushi grade tuna in the fridge all the time. Sushi grade, sushi grade tuna in the freezer. You should just thought, you know, yeah, just pick up some sushi grade tuna in the freezer. Do you know how fucking expensive sushi grade tuna is? That's some nonsense. You, I'm sorry. When you're talking to like a like a like a poorish middle class regular person who's got real bills and real loans and real shit to deal with, and your food suggestion to them is sushi-grade tuna, I want to kick your teeth in. That's my feelings. That's my, uh, that's my queer eye on for the, for the, for the non-label guy. Uh, the, the other thing, I, I don't, I'm sure that everybody's gonna hate me for saying this, but, um, Anthony Porowski, he doesn't like to be labeled as gay. He doesn't like to be labeled as queer. He likes to say that his sexuality is fluid. I get that. I get that saying your sexuality fluid is like really hip nowadays. I get that having a fluid sexuality is like what everybody's talking about is like fact, not necessarily like opinion. I understand all this, but like, um, you're representing the whole queer community. I don't think you're really representing anybody when you say that your sexuality is fluid and that you're just Anthony. Just, oh, I'm just Anthony. Don't label me, I'm Anthony. Don't label me. I just, I, I think that's bullshit. I think that's bullshit. I think that's don't associate me. That's what I hear. When somebody says don't label me, you know what I hear? I hear don't associate me with that. Don't associate me with me, with those gay people. Um... So yeah, maybe I'm being too harsh. I think it's bullshit. 
Uh, he's currently dating a guy. I, I'm sure that nobody cares that he doesn't feel... I'm sure everybody's like, oh, Anthony's so progressive for not wanting to be labeled as anything but sexually fluid. I'm sorry. I just, I just don't, I don't buy it. I think it's bullshit. I think that there are way better people to be representing the queer community than Anthony Porowski. That's my issue. There are way better people. There's way better food people. There's way better wine people. There's way better everything people. Undeniably, you can, I just, I think that's the truth. So, um, sorry to hate on Anthony so much. If you like him, I get a lot of I get it. A lot of people think he's cute. I just just so much rather see literally anybody, Latrice Royale, literally anybody, be the food and wine expert on Queer Eye than than that guy. But let's move on to happier things. Let's move on to. Uh... Oh, also, Anthony has no formal cooking training whatsoever. Anyway, um, let's move on to Jonathan Van Ness. He's my favorite, Jonathan Van Ness. All right. All right. Jonathan Van Ness. So, have you guys seen the show? I think it's, uh, I think it's, uh, undeniable that Jonathan is, uh, the best character on the show. He's the best guy on the show. He's not a character, I guess. I, I, I think, you know, they're all characters. Um, Jonathan, he used to be a musician, so he gets a huge points uh, for me, just right off the bat. Uh, and uh, he's also, he also used to be a podcaster. He's still a podcaster. Uh, he's the host of Getting Curious with Jonathan, Jonathan Van Ness. In his podcast, he, he picks a random topic and he asks an expert about it and he, is, he interviews them about his topic. His podcast is amazing. You should check it out. It's so good. His podcast took off like 400% when he was on Queer Eye, like of course. But uh, he's had it since 2015. So since three years before Queer Eye. Um... He also, he's the creator of the web series parody, Gay of Thrones. I haven't seen that myself. It sounds amazing. The thing about it is I haven't seen it at all. I really need to go watch it. But um, his name on Gay of Thrones is Jonathan instead of Jonathan. And that by itself made me laugh for like five solid minutes. So um, I think that I might have just been a little bit high. But also undeniably uh it's a it's a it's a it's funny jonathan hilarious so when he was a high school he he has a he's he's got a he's got a long history when he's in high school he said that he was bullied like damn near to death he had a he had a really bad time in high school um he was a male cheerleader in high school. That's certainly got to contribute to it, you know. I'm not going to say that it's your fault, but, like, goddammit, you're a cheerleader. Like, oof, that's a lot. Um, and uh, 
I'm gonna go ahead and be honest. He's like one of the most fabulous people I've ever heard in my life. Uh, I no duh. This guy's got a podcast. This guy, this guy is so gay. It makes me wanna. It makes me wanna like, like beg him to start a church. Like I would, I would fucking love to go to that guy's sermons. Holy shit. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with Jonathan Van Ness. I'm obsessed with him. And he's the hair guy on Queer Eye. Uh, like, I don't even remember who. I just watched all of season one in one sitting, and I don't even remember who did the hair in Queer Eye for the Straight Guy because uh, Jonathan is just so good. He's so good at what he does. Um, I think all the haircuts both look exactly like the person and their style while making them look better and more comfortable and making them I really think that almost every haircut he gives everybody I think they're gonna try to get that haircut over and over again because it seems replicable like they're they're just they're just good they're just good looks you know just good normal looks he doesn't do anything crazy you know what they do in the queer for the straight guy they do like temporary highlights and shit like some nonsense and I thought a lot of the haircuts looked terrible and a lot of it was like really product heavy and like doing a like very peacock style sort of nonsense um Jonathan is not about that Jonathan gives them very unnatural haircuts I know that that's also just the style nowadays I get that there's just a huge style difference between this time period and the time period of the original queer eye i get that but like i think that that's also now that i realize that it's probably just most of my issues with it are just time period differences like it's it's just not at all fashionable anymore to get a spray tan it's not at all fashionable anymore to get a spray tan it's not at all fashionable anymore to get tipped highlights and spiky hair for men um, and it's also just, it's, it's, it's all about looking natural, all about being able to just roll out of bed and look super hot all the fucking time. I'm a huge fan of it. It's very practical. It's practical sexiness. I'm a huge fan of practical things, huge fan of efficiency. So, you know, when Jonathan be giving all these people some goddamn good looking practical haircuts, it makes me, it makes me excited. It makes me excited. I get excited about it. They all look really, really good. Oh my goodness, they look so good. All of them. And they they do the hair last because they know that it's the best part. They know it's the best part. They know that it's like, holy shit, guys. You know, everybody get a hold of your nipples. Here comes Jonathan's part. It's like, it's it's the best. It's the best part of the show. And like, they do the whole wardrobe with the shitty hair just to see, you know, like, oh, you're going to look like this when you're, when you get your hair shitty again. But I don't think any of them are going to let their hair get shitty again because that, the fucking haircut is so good. It's so, it's such a reliable, it's a sustainable improvement. It's a sustainable improvement. You know, that's the, that's the thing between this season and the last season is that this season there are people like, Bobby, there are people like Jonathan, there are people like Tan, and there, you know, there are those insights from Camaro, and, uh, I think that, uh, you know, I think Anthony's pretty fucking useless, but, uh, you know, these, these other four 
people all really pack a punch with some sort of contribution towards a sustainable improvement that not only are they giving them a, a boost right now but they're giving them the tools to keep the boost going and even make the boost bigger later you know so i just love i love the makeovers i think that the hair makeovers to me this is the best part they're like oh my goodness they look so fucking good everybody looks so good so jonathan is also just so fabulous um So yeah, I guess to to close, I'd say that this you know the new the new Netflix Queer Eye is is definitely definitely living up to the hype. I think it's really good, but I also think it's I disagree with the casting decision for Anthony Porowski. I'm just gonna put it flat out. I just disagree with that. I think there are better people for that. Um, I, I love everybody else. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Jonathan should not be the only one who's like super flamboyantly queer. Um, you know, it's not straight eye for the queer guy. You know, I don't understand. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I also, you know, what's wrong with throwing in a lesbian? Answer me that what's wrong with it you know what's wrong with what's wrong with there being a lesbian like what's are lesbians not queer i don't understand you know i think that uh you know maybe the the 2020 version of queer eye should have uh, uh some sort of gay woman opinion this really kind of perpetuates the whole deal where lesbians are just not involved in in in, in queer culture and that lesbians are just like uh invisible uh, opinionless background noise. That's kind of how I feel sometimes. Um, you know, and it's not—it's not like it's any sort of big deal. I just kind of feel like why, why, why was, why would there be a reboot of Queer Eye and there not be any any women? So I'm sure that they're gonna make a whole other Queer Eye where it's gonna be all lesbians. Some nonsense. But that's not really what I mean. I really want to see gay men and lesbians tag teaming straight people in a productive way. That's what I want to see. I don't think that's ridiculous. I don't think that's like crazy progressive. I don't really feel like a, a magic fairy philosopher. Um, I just kind of feel like I'm you know, queer, and I have a uterus, and I, like, love it, it's like, you know, all the, the vagina stuff, like, all the clitoris stuff, you know, and the boobs, and the hips, and I am a huge fan of all of it, and, like, I kind of like seeing it represented somewhere, but, um, you know, it is what it is, it's more about, it's obviously not just about body parts, oh my god, everybody calm the fuck down, everybody calm down, I'm not simplifying, myself or any sort of all women in any sort of way body parts just making bad jokes just shut up um <clears throat> no i'm not silencing you i'm just trying to have my own time all right but you know what i mean i just <sighs> queer eye like uh, i just i do 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 queer women not have queer eyes you know 
It's just, you know, between the the only real media representations that lesbians ever get are fetishized, and they're always through the the lens of, of straight men. You know, I really kind of like Louis the Warmest Color, no lie. I think that there's a lot of things in that movie that are, like, spot on. But, um, you know, it's... It's, uh, it's, it's through the male gaze. It's just a different thing. It's just not, it's just not our perspective. Like, hearing a woman's story through a man's perspective. A man's perspective on a woman's story is not a woman's story. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, you know, a gay man's perspective on all queer things is not all queer things. And, and uh, you know, I love gay men. I am friends with lots of gay men. But I, I just think that, um... You can't, you can't just, like, say that you own gayness. You can't say that you own queerness. You can't sit there and be like, oh, fuck the patriarchy, and then be a patriarchy in your own way. It's obnoxious. It's really annoying. I'm, like, tired of it. So... I just that's that's my issue. I, I, I feel like uh, queer eye is fantastic, but it's like not progressive enough for me. Hashtag never enough. Um You know remember when uh, remember when Amy Schumer started to suck and then Michelle Wolf came? There's gotta be some sort of equivalent with queer eye. Like queer eye eventually should start to suck, everybody. Like I'm not saying that queer eye sucks, I'm saying that eventually this should suck. And we should try to make that happen, like, ASAP. As soon as we can start making this not suck so much. Or this suck so much. We have to make it, we have to make it suck. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's gotta be shitty soon. Because we gotta be doing better stuff soon. Also, can we get some sort of lesbian representation, lesbian or queer or bisexual representation that's not fetishized? Uh, Lena Waithe is leading the way. Everybody just watch, uh, Chi-Town. Uh, Lena Waithe is, like, my hero. So, everybody just shut up and just pay attention to her. You know, let's all, like, tune out a Queer Eye for a bit. And everybody go watch a Lena Waithe show. And we'll all have the best time ever and it's gonna be amazing. But I don't wanna, I don't want any exceptions. You shouldn't either. So that's all, folks. Uh, I am, like, totally at the drawing board for what episode four is going to be. Right now, things in the running. Uh, a Lean Waith episode. Uh, an Adventure Time episode. Uh, a Misogyny episode. Uh, a Stonewall episode. There's a lot of Stonewall episodes on, on iTunes, though, already. There's already, like, some super legit Stonewall episodes. I should just suggest those later. Uh, I don't know. Just tell me what you think I should do. Um, if you have lots of real strong opinions about the episode, you know, I encourage you to, like, meditate on how it would feel to receive the email that you send me, you know, before you send it. Uh... And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, we should just do some more hardcore nonsense. Just kind of mad about everything. Uh, 
let me know what you're mad about we can all be mad about it together all right bye bye